I think it's what you experience where it's, <laughs> it's interesting, right? When you're working that closely, getting something off the ground, getting something moving with someone that, that you deeply respect, but you just think of the world really, really differently. Um, it, it makes for interesting conversations. Hey, it's David, and you're listening to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul, your source for practical leadership inspiration, tools, and strategies you can use to achieve transformational results without sacrificing your humanity or your mind in the process. Hey, welcome to the show today. Here We're getting close to the end of season 14, a couple episodes left, and I am glad that you're able to join us. Uh, I know that we're in for an interesting discussion today with our guest. Her name is Antonella Pisani. She's the founder and CEO of Dallas-based iFull Media, a digital marketing and consulting firm focused on performance marketing and digital strategy for mid-market companies iFull Media is an intellectually stimulating environment, which I am so excited to learn more about that because who doesn't like intellectual stimulation? Uh, an intellectually stimulating environment that allows for team members a balanced life and social responsibility. And uh, so iFull Media is founded in 2017 and has experienced exponential growth um, exclusively through word of mouth referrals. So you know you're doing something right when you're getting that kind of growth just from referrals. Um, ranked in the top 11% on the Inc. 5000 list for the past two years and one of the fastest growing privately held companies in America. All right. So a little bit about Eiffel Media. Antonella, thank you so much for being a guest here today with us. Thanks, David. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. So am I. All right. Well, let's get, get started then. Uh, we learned a little bit, just a, a touch about your company. I know we're going to learn more. Uh, but Antonella, if you could take us back uh, to your earliest memory of yourself as a leader, where would that take you? How far back would you go? Wherever you want to take us, one of your earliest memories of yourself as a leader. Yeah, that's great. I mean, one of my earliest like business memories, which, you know, I wasn't leading people, but I used to, as like a 13 year old, go buy baseball cards and set up as a dealer at shows and, you know, help all the moms that wanted to pick out things for their kids. I was surrounded by all these older guys that were exhibiting. And, you know, I think even though I wasn't leading a people, like I, I was leading my own little business. Um, and I, I would say from maybe more of that people, people leadership and setting strategy, probably when I was about 17. Um, so I was an intern for Transworld Snowboarding Magazine um, as a senior in high school and helped work on an event. There were four of us, I think, interning and leading this thing and, you know, had a lot of responsibility for, for a pretty young kid at that age, um, having to reach out to a ton of different high schools and colleges and was writing copy that ended up in the magazine and things like that. So um, those are some of the memories that stand out to me. I love it. I love the 13-year-old... Uh... Dealing the baseball cards at the, and, and what a great, you know, and a unique skill set too, of you found a unique selling proposition, didn't you? Like, Hey, listen, I'm 13. I'm going to help you moms figure out what your kids actually want in their baseball card. Yeah, it was amazing. And funny enough, I wasn't really into baseball. I just figured out that it was a good business <laughs> and it was, you know, I think the moms loved it because they trusted me. They knew that, you know, yes, obviously I was there running a little business, but I think they had a little bit more faith in me than, than some of the folks that were, were there. That is fantastic. I love that. You're not even that into baseball. You just, Hey, I found a way to, to make some money. That's, that's great. <laughs> I love the the image there. Well, tell us a little bit more about Eiffel Media. Like uh, what do you do? Who are your ideal customers? Just tell us a little bit about your business and then we'll dive into some of the culture. Yeah, sure thing. So, um, 
like you mentioned, we've been around since about 2017. We focus, uh, I would say about 90% of what we do is on paid search, SEO, paid social, copywriting, um, all very performance oriented. So we're really here to drive revenue and leads. We're not into shiny objects and vanity metrics and things like that. really about helping businesses grow. Um, and, you know, a lot of us come from kind of in-house marketing roles. And so we know what it's like to be on that operating seat. Um, about 10% of what we do falls into more digital strategy. Um, everything from, you know, we'll get companies coming to us that say, look, I've, I've kind of flatlined on growth. Can you help me come up with new ideas? Can you turn over a lot of rocks? And we jokingly call it boiling the ocean, trying to find the best opportunities and helping them prioritize it. So even doing due diligence for private equity firms. Um, most of our clients fall, you know, we call it mid-market. It's anywhere from 10 to 300 million, but we work with some companies that are bigger, some that are smaller. Um, our mix is about 60% B2C, 40% B2B. And so, you know, you mentioned that that intellectually stimulating part. A lot of that comes from having you know, a really wide range of different types of clients and industries and keeping people challenged by, by making sure that they're learning something new every day. Mm, so not just a particular industry, you really are serving a broad set of, I love that. The, uh, it, that is similar for us in the sense that, you know, the leadership development work we do, a range of different industries, range of different size organizations, and every, every engagement makes you smarter, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're in everything from tires to high-end linens to beauty to enterprise SaaS software. Um, and yeah, everything in between. But it's it's really neat actually taking experiences that you get in one industry and figuring out how to apply those learnings to other industries. And, and I think that's fun for the team. Definitely. I imagine that would be. Well, so let's talk a little bit more about culture. And when you're talking about uh, creating that intellectually stimulating culture, um, you also talk about uh, the balanced life and social responsibility and some of these different cultural elements. So walk us through, like as a CEO, as a founder, uh, you've created your or your company and you've had some specific goals in mind for that, it sounds like. So I'm curious what that blueprint looked like in your mind as you were thinking about what you wanted to build and then what it's looked like in practice, how you got there. Yeah, sure thing. I mean, I think the first thing to share is I actually never set out to build a business. Um, I had been, my whole career was on kind of the corporate side, um, companies like Pro Flowers, Guitar Center, JCPenney, Fossil. And I had taken some time off to travel and jokingly like recover from turnaround life and, and some environments that weren't ideal. And so I ended up just taking a consulting gig while I was figuring out what else I was going to do um, and was able to grow that into a business. So, so there was no like master plan to go out and work for myself. I think it was just, you know, wanting to work in a way that, that felt good, right. Doing high quality work, but not burdened by a lot of the, the, toxic environment and, and red tape and some of those things. And so as I started consulting and then was asked for, you know, additional services, I would bring in other consultants. And one thing I think from a blueprint perspective, what started unfolding was I really only wanted to bring in experienced talent. So our average on our team is about 13 years of digital experience per person. We, we don't go with anything lower than usually like five or six years. And so 
I think you start pulling a lot of these experienced people together and it creates a pretty unique environment because they're feeding off of each other. And in many cases, they had come from companies where they were the sole SEO expert or they were the sole paid search expert. And you put these guys in a room together virtually, right? And and some pretty fun things happen. Um, and then on, on kind of that balanced life and social responsibility, I've always jokingly called my teams the Island of the Misfit Toys, right? It's it's always been our own little, you know, subcultures and wanting to allow people to just be themselves, right? I think a lot of times in those bigger companies, um, you kind of have to play the game to survive. And I've always tried to create an environment where, where people are comfortable in their own skin and, and are rewarded and recognized for the quality of work that they do and the quality of human beings that they are. Um, and so that became really important to me from a social responsibility perspective. Um, you know, I mentioned starting out in that, that, you know, experience when I was 17, it was actually a benefit for, for kids living with HIV, like really early on. And so community service was just something really important to me as an individual. It was something that, um, you know, I always tried to participate in at the different companies that I was in. So like at Fossil, we would even just go cook breakfast at a women's shelter and things like that. And so I wanted to incorporate that, um, not just kind of on a once a year basis, but just really weave it into who we are as a company. Mm. So much good stuff there. I want to dive a little bit deeper. So when you're talking about let's just take the the notion of creating a culture where people can really tr- truly show up with their full self, who they are and yeah. be allowed for that to happen, make that happen. Is there anything specific that you do or don't do or in the way that, that you conduct, hire, onboard, uh, reinforce that culture, conversations you need to have, what goes into creating a space like that? Yeah, I mean, it, it. look, it always starts with the interview, right? You have to get the right people in the door. And I think you can, um, I think you can pretty quickly spot, are people humble? Do they, do they seem authentic on the phone, right? As they talk about their experiences and who they are. Um, even some of the questions, like one of my favorite questions, and I was asked this, you know, forever ago, it was, you know, what's a common misconception about you? Right. Because that allows you to kind of break through and and get a sense for, okay, who is this person? And I've gotten some really cool answers through that. And, you know, my style when I interview is um, I try to just disarm people. Right. I don't, I've always said, like, I take my work very seriously and, and the quality of it, but I don't take myself super seriously. And so I think that if you let your guard down as you're interviewing people and make it clear that they can let their guards down and, and really open up, I think you get a better sense for who that person is. But, you know, so it's everything from that. We use strength finders in our interviews also just to get a sense for, you know, what, what really makes this person shine and where maybe do they struggle a little bit. Um, so we incorporate that. Um, and I think what other elements, I think, you know, in just day-to-day interaction um, is what really gives people that sense of comfort. Um, the the old head of HR from Pro Flowers, where I spent about six and a half years there, she joined one of our early all-hands calls and someone asked her, you know, how she thinks about building remote culture. And she very simply said, look, to me, culture is just how you treat each other, 
and that's it, right? And so I think that as you interact, as I interact with my coworkers, and it's okay to be yourself and joke around a little bit and let them know that that's okay. Um, so I think that what we've done just comes from building all of those interactions versus one super deliberate thing that we do. Interesting. So it's, and I, her definition of culture, I always think about Seth Godin's definition of culture. He always says, you know, people like us do things like this. That's what culture is. So, and how we treat each other, certainly yeah. a part of that, how we treat our customers, how we do our work, all those, all those elements. Yeah. Are there, uh, do you find the need for policies, value statements, uh, any written guidance or, or, kind of a, a roadmap for people as they're talking about, this is what our culture is? So we have very clear um, vision, mission, and values. And it's something that I often will share in interviews because a lot of the folks that are considering joining us are, are doing that because of what they've heard about us or what they've read about us from a culture's perspective. Um, there's a lot of digital agencies out there, right? And and the people that we hire have a lot of choices in terms of where they wanna go and where they can go. Um, and so a lot of times I will share that because them seeing that it's very consistent, but I like to even pull up, we, have, we use Slack and we have a channel called um, High Fives and I'll even pull that up in the middle of interviews and say, look, you can hear me talk about a mission statement or a vision statement or values but let me actually show you how people interact. And I love pulling that up because you just see these interactions between colleagues and just the, the respect and, and gratitude that they have for each other that speaks volumes. But I, I do think that there's something to having things documented and written. Um, there's not a lot of like policy enforcement once people are here in terms of like, you're not following this value. We don't run into that a whole lot. I think it's more just setting that tone up front um, that that's that's who we are and that's how we want to act. Mm. Well, that's and that's good news. You haven't had to to do any of that as much of the corrective type of thing. Well, that's not really in alignment with the value. Let's come over yeah. here. That kind of thing. you have enough momentum that people are flowing with that. You know, with regard to values, um, that's always a topic that I find fascinating in the work that, that we do with, with our clients is um, when they're wanting to make sure that their organization is living those values, that they're embracing them, and that it's translated into actual behavior. Yeah. And one of the challenges that people run into with values is when those values run into conflict with one another. Uh, and gosh, which value am I operating out of right now? Or how should I resolve this? And, and making that really practical for people. I'm, I'm curious, and I honestly don't know. I'm curious what some of your values yeah. for, for Eiffel might be. Uh, and if you have found that to be the case and how you go about helping people navigate those. Sure. Yeah, I, w I would say I can't think of real issues in terms of values colliding or people feeling like there's conflict between them. Um, I would say the strongest value that we have is probably humility because people who are humble admit, admit, you know, if something's not going well and like just how they think about respecting each other and respecting clients. But for us, humility is a big one. Um, transparency is a really big one for us. So, you know, there's, 
a number of agencies out there like won't give clients access to their own advertising accounts and kind of hold people hostage and things like that. And, you know, for us, it's both that transparency, but um, both a learning culture and teaching culture, like mm. the more that we're able to help um, educate our clients, the better partners they become to us, the more we can kind of keep leveling up together. So that's important. Um, generosity, both in terms of us supporting the community, but also just how we share our time. Gratitude is one. Um, I always say it's like, be grateful for the the little and the big things. Um, a lot of times it's those little moments. So those were a handful of them. Um, but yeah, so I don't, I don't feel like we've had a lot of that kind of collision between them. Nice. Nice. All right. We're talking with Antonella Pisani. She is the CEO founder of Eiffel Media, uh, one of the most rapidly growing digital marketing agencies here in uh, the United States, uh, an Inc. 5000 uh, list, uh, top 11% uh, two years running. And uh, all of that growth coming from referrals. So you know that they're doing a lot right. So we're glad to have you here with us, Antonella. So we've been talking about values, talking about uh, the culture you're creating. Uh, and you mentioned uh, the remote, you mentioned a little bit about uh, earlier on in some of your comments about uh, the, the life balance and the type of place you're creating. And I'm curious how you navigate. And this is a question I'm asking on behalf of so many leaders, so many people who ask sure. this question. And I know that this comes up for folks. How you navigate life balance. And so part of that is going to be asking you to define what that even means for your folks. But how you navigate life balance with client responsiveness, high quality, you know, um, making due dates, all those sorts of things, how you and your team navigate those kinds of issues. Yeah, it look, it's not easy, right? And we're not perfect. I, I will admit that, right? I think it's, um, it's a lot harder. Back, back to that humility were... that you just mentioned. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, if I don't act that way, how can I expect anyone else to act that way, right? Um, you know, I think it's it's something we strive for and whether it's trying to give vacation day and floating holidays and things like that, trying to not overburden folks. And, and that can get really hard when you're growing at the speed that we've grown at. Um, we have gotten to a place where we try to hire in advance to, to not crunch people. But the reality is it's like there's turnover in agencies, right? And sometimes a client comes on and they need to start next week. And so I think it's trying to balance those different things out to to support clients, trying to not have um, accounts where there's only one person on them, right? So if you have multiple people, someone does feel more comfortable stepping away and taking a day off. Um, it's been really hard to navigate, I would say. I think we do better in certain pockets of our business than, than in others, but I think that, um, you know, we want we are a remote first company. It's all adults, right? We, I mentioned we hire experienced people. We're not, um, you know, we're not hiring folks where this is their first job or anything like that. They need to go step away to get their kids or to go to a doctor's appointment or whatever. They, they need to be able to do that. Um, and, and I do the same thing, right? Like I might take off and go to a golf lesson and then work a little bit later that day. I think that that's one of the benefits that comes from remote work. Um, on the social responsibility side, it's like I said, it's woven into whether it's talking about charities we supported that month, 
trying to organize volunteer events. We give everyone a couple of volunteer days a year so that they can go and whether that's helping out at a school or a charity, things like that, and just encouraging those types of things. But, you know, it really comes with trying to staff appropriately because you, you can't get there if you don't staff appropriately. Um, and it's, there's pockets of times that it's been really, really hard. Uh, and I know that we're, we're crushing people during certain times of the year, not by intent, but if we can't land the right candidate that is going to fit both from a culture perspective and a skill set perspective, it's it's going to make things worse if you bring those wrong people in. So sometimes it can take a minute to find the right person. Have you ever had that happen where you, despite best effort, it wasn't maybe the best match for your culture, for your organization? How How quickly do you realize that? Pretty quickly. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly within the first 90 days, usually, if not sooner. I mean, it, it depends. People will put on kind of, will put their best foot forward in interviews and you can put people through multiple rounds and do strength finders and do a lot of things. But it's once they get in the door and start working with colleagues and start working with clients, that's that's really when true colors show through. And so there have, so. there it sounds like there have been times where you've had to say, oh, okay, not the best match. Yeah. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's a really good person and they're great on that side of things, but the work quality just doesn't meet the standards that we have. Sure. Um, we've certainly had those situations too, because we, we do have a really high bar for, for talent. Um, and those are tougher situations, right? Where it's, hey, this is a really good person, but it's just, it's just not working out. And then you have people who, you know, are, are really, really good at marketing and what they do, but just don't fit in culturally from a, how we expect them to interact with their colleagues and, and clients. But yeah, we, um, we definitely move quickly when, when those situations occur. Absolutely. And it's such good advice for anybody who's in a similar situation. If you know, you know, <laughs> take care of the situation, but for you and for your team and for that person. Yeah. I mean, I think especially in a service business, right? It's not someone who's off in a corner coding uh, coding at night or something like that. It's it's a small company. And I think that the smaller you are, the more that one person can really have um, have a big effect on, on culture. Absolutely. Well, speaking of culture, you've mentioned a couple of times that you're a, a remote uh, remote organization, 100% remote. And before it was the thing, right? Before uh, we all had to go remote for the pandemic. What, uh, what have you found are some of the principles and practices that have, over your years of experience with remote culture, that you have found to be very helpful in creating, establishing, maintaining that what you said earlier, it's how we treat one another. Yeah, I think, um, you know, funny enough, one one of the, the things that's been really important was implementing Slack. And, you know, we started out like any good bootstrap business, keeping costs low. And we were just using like Google chat and things like that. And that was something that came out of the, uh, our very first start, stop, continue survey that we ran with with our team was like, please, dear God, go get Slack. And so I went and got that that night I bought it for the team. Um, and that's facilitated a lot of conversation and the ability for folks to collaborate really well, um, both about clients, but just 
it's also our little virtual water cooler and things like that. So I think having a way that's easy for the team to communicate and where they can, you know, they can show off their personalities here and there as well and, and joke around. Um, we also implemented like employee management software called 15.5. Um, that's been really helpful just to guide one-on-ones and reviews and just create a centralized platform. But that also is where those high fives come from. So people will recognize their colleagues that also gets fed into Slack. Um, so that's those types of things. I think trying to make sure like we, we have a monthly all hands and get everyone on getting everyone together. Um, we do monthly like shared learnings meetings where we'll have, let's say the paid search folks and the SEO folks bantering and sharing what they've learned that month so that we get that cross pollination. I would, I would say that's probably like, one of the hardest things about the remote culture is there's a lot of that learning through osmosis that, that you just don't get right. Um, that you would have in like a physical environment. And so you don't get it accidentally. Sure, so it's, how are you going to be? No, you have to be, it. you have to be really intentional about that. And so whether it's, you know, meetings that are dedicated to that, that cross sharing of information, whether it's, you know, for us, let's say there's a client and we're working on paid search and SEO for them, making sure it's one shared Slack room so that people can understand what's going on on both sides, things like that. Yeah. I, I think that part is you have to be super intentional or else it's not going to happen. Uh, you know, people will get to know each other. Like we've had um, a few folks that have run marathons and, you know, on different teams and they'll get to know each other if that happens to come up. So trying to get people to to open up and share a little bit about kind of what they're doing outside of work uh, can f- facilitate some of those interactions too. And then we use a um, an app for Slack called Donut that just randomly pairs people together for 15 minute meetings. Um, and that's a good way to get colleagues to get to know each other as well. So sounds like having a good communication platform, whether it's Slack or, or something else, the intentionality of uh, how you're getting together to do knowledge exchange and learning about one another and and really focusing and having dedicated times for that, uh, those are all part of your approach to making remote effective. Yeah, it's, it's the only way to do it. Otherwise, I mean, it's very easy in a physical environment to have silos. Right. It's, it's common to see that. And then if you take that into remote, it's even easier. So you, you really have to focus there. Yeah. And that's, a, I think that's such an important point is that all of the dysfunctions that we can have, they're not limited to any one venue or any one way of operating. It's human beings. We can bring that, we can bring the junk into anything that we're doing. Right. So it's, how are we going to be intentional in this environment? Uh, whatever that environment is. So when you're, when you're looking back over the, the history of some of your remote work, are there any lessons learned the hard way that, that you would say, you know, you, you did learn from your team that they really needed this and that you listened to that and did some things. Are there some things that you tried that maybe you went, oh, that didn't work the way I would, or that you pain or experience that you might save our listeners as they're going about investing in their remote cultures? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, I, I, like to joke around like my my brain is pinball on multi-ball at all times right like like many entrepreneurs right you're you're good i'm 
you know, 40 browser tabs open. And I would say one of the early lessons learned was I'm fine dumping every file known to man into one folder and just searching for it. And like, I'll find it and I'm fine with that. But recognizing that a lot of other people are not built that way. And we had someone who used to work for, for me and uh, at um, JCPenney, brilliant marketer, but very used to like big companies and a lot of structure and organization. And he was paralyzed by that environment. Um, we ended up parting ways as friends and still stay in touch because it was just brilliant guy probably joined us five years too early. Right. And, but it made me realize it's like, okay, we have to get our act together with, you know, uh, shared drives and structured organization systems and project management and all of these things that are not me. Right. Like my, when I was in house, like the first thing I did was go and hire a, a really awesome head of e-com operations because that's not who I am. And you know, <laughs> so I would say that was definitely a lesson learned was just making sure that you do have things set up in ways that are organized because it will make onboarding that much faster where you have remote employees, like making it very easy for them to know where to go for things. And, and again, like we're still, we've got someone doing a cleanup project right now because things end up in the wrong places, but at least like knowing that there's some sort of structure by your laughter. I feel like you've seen this pain before you've seen this movie before um, because I live this movie every day. So I, so <laughs> and listeners know uh, my, my wife, uh, life partner and co-author and business were co-owners of the business, Karen Hurt. She is definitely much more like you in the, the visionary and uh, a thousand ideas for every 10 that I have. And, all files can live in one place and you know all that sort of thing and like you said that's paralyzing for somebody like me who yeah. you know i have i have this like hierarchical file structure that goes back 30 years and, oh my know, God. and, and i and i know where it all is and i go find anything and then occasionally we'll rely on search for for something like that uh and uh, yeah your brains just work so differently but both to advantage when we can bring that together yeah i mean it's um so one of my, my more recent projects, I actually started a nonprofit and my co-founder on that is a private equity guy. And he and I could not think more differently, but, you know, you pair us together. I think I'm confident we're going to do some amazing things together, but I joke around. I'm like, I only know how to go fast, right? Typical entrepreneur. Let's start learning. Let's go fast. Like we're going to fail some places, but we'll get smarter um, he only knows how to go big because he's a private equity guy. He's used to magnifying <laughs> and he'd rather cut 57 times before you make a move. And so it's, um, it's really interesting because with Eiffel, I have a, an amazing leadership team that, that, you know, we complement each other really, really well, but I don't have a true co-founder. Right. And in that situation, it's like, how are we not going to kill each other? <laughs> But, but I think it's what you experience where it's, it's interesting, right? When you're working that closely, getting something off the ground, getting something moving with someone that, that you deeply respect, but you just think of the world really, really differently. Um, it, it makes for interesting conversations. And you're right. You know, you will, it'll go, it'll be awesome. You just have to navigate through all that and, 
there are times you need to go fast and there are times you need to go big and there are times you need to throw it all against the wall. And there's other times we need yeah. to get this organized. It's, it's, it's yeah. always it's the both of both and when and how. Yeah, for sure. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I would say that that organization and discipline and structure, and, and I can send you a link. I actually wrote uh, a piece for search engine land. That was a lot of those lessons learned kind of that, that very practical, like, oh, hey, go get a business savings account and don't just keep everything in checking. Might as well make some interest off of it and, you know, project management and all of those things that folks like me don't necessarily prioritize immediately. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> uh, and, and all too real. Yeah. It's just, there's yeah. so many so many fun stories about that, both, both directions. Uh, we're talking like your wife today. and I would get along. <laughs> oh, yes. I, you would enjoy conversations, some of them at my expense, without a doubt. Uh, he does this thing, and why? Our guest today is Antonella Pizzotti. He's the CEO and founder of iFull Media. And uh, gosh, we've been talking about culture, uh, values, and most recently talking about making remote work effectively and some of the, the practices and lessons learned along the way there as well. Um, Antonella, for people who are wanting to learn more about you, about uh, Eiffel, about what you're doing, where can we go to find you? Where's a good place to connect? Sure. Um, uh, LinkedIn is great. Track me down on LinkedIn. Um, there's there's a handful of Antonella Pisanis, but... Just look for uh, look for me with Eiffel Media, and then our website is EiffelMedia.com, which is E Y E F U L M E D I A dot com. Fantastic. Well, as we're uh, getting close to the end of our conversation here, I, I want to talk a little bit about innovation and you know creativity. Being in the industry that you're in, I mean, certainly there's always uh, a demand for that, and it, it, I imagine it's in your in your DNA at some level. One of the the like leadership management challenges that we we work a lot with are helping leaders to find and tap into the creativity solutions, problem solving, and what we call micro innovations that are within their teams. It's there, but how do you draw it out? And I'm curious if you have particular approaches to innovation, to creativity, to looking at things differently, maybe looking at problems or challenges differently. I'm certain that you have some insights that might be helpful for our listeners. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, it, it comes with the types of folks that we've hired. So creativity is another one of the values, but not in the sense that come up with snazzy campaigns. It's more about finding solutions that are appropriate for our clients and where they're at in the journey. Um, we definitely have a handful of folks that I think really lean into the innovation side and are just so passionate like we have a couple of folks on our seo team that are digging into everything and anything ai related and you know we had them come and present to our leadership team so that we're thinking about and get get from them what they're spending time on and, and coming up with these ideas and then having them share um some things like at our all hands meeting to make sure that the other parts of the company are hearing what they're doing so you know i think it's been um more of a, a self-motivated thing, right? We we definitely believe in like continuous testing for our clients. Like our, our group director on the paid media side was like, this is a continuous testing culture and, you know, making those types of things clear, obviously um, trying things and, and making sure that clients are on board with it and then trying to share out that information. Um, we don't have a formal like, hey, 10% of your time goes to 
to this, I think it's when you hire people that are a little bit more experienced, you don't have um, what a lot of agencies have, which is like very clear and directive standard operating procedures. We don't have that. Um, we let our folks really manage clients the way that they think is going to drive the best results for those clients in partnership with them. And so I think that that breeds creativity. I think where you lose some of that creativity is you're hiring an army of junior people and you're being really, really specific in this is how you optimize and this is how you manage this client. I think that's yeah. where it's a lot harder to get that innovation happening. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I Similar with us, the, the work that we do is the leadership and management, but there's nothing that in that partnership with a client, there's no question they they can't, they can ask that we can't answer there, but there's not a prescriptive approach to it because yeah. you're not hiring junior people. You're hiring, you know, it's folks who have been there and have the experience. And so it sounds like for you to get the creativity and innovation, it's a matter of get the right people with the right experience and don't overstructure them. Exactly. Yeah. Give them a structure in terms of look, based on what this client is paying, we should be spending about this many hours supporting their program each month. So there's structure from that perspective because you have to run a healthy business at the end of the day. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you can't go go spend four times the number of hours and then you become an unprofitable business. Um, but not giving them, you know, that prescriptive approach of how to go manage that business. They're the ones. So we don't use account managers. That's another big difference. So the clients are interacting directly with the people working in their accounts. Like they're going to know best together how to go run that account, not somebody who's just crafting a, a standard operating procedure. All right. So that in and of itself is an innovation. I mean, it's obviously different. You encounter the, that model in some different areas, but that again, creates that direct connection and allows some of that, that free flowing exchange of information and ideas to happen. All right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that came from, you know, when I first started hiring people, everyone had in-house experience or had come from in-house. Now it's a blend of both because I never worked for an agency. Um, so I had to, we had to build or bring that skill set in because um, there's a lot of things that happen in agencies. And as you scale that you have to know what's going on there. But at the same time, I think it kind of allowed me to break a lot of the, the traditional rules up front because I, I hadn't gone through that experience. All right. Well, let's, let's finish then with, if you had to, or, or could had the opportunity you're talking to a stadium full of 15,000 managers, leaders in a variety of different uh, industries, wherever they might be, and you had one piece of advice to help them be as effective as they could be in a human-centered way. I'm curious what that would be. And this might be the one thing that you, you would want to make sure to communicate to anybody who is going to lead or manage within Eiffel. What, what, uh, what would that be? It's an awesome question. Um, I often have people go read The Go-Giver which I don't know if you're familiar with that book, but yeah, that's a lot of what we've built around is that it's that create value. It's, you know, take care of others, whether it's, it's your clients, your community, your team, and good things will happen for you. Um, but yeah, I'd probably keep it simple. Tell them to go, go read that and, and really interpret it. And, and I think about, you know, the very first proposal I built under iFled, I idea what I was doing. And I, 
probably gave them 30 pages of free information, right? But seven years later, they're, they're still a client and, and a really good friend now. And so that just came from trying to create a lot of value. And, and I would say that um, a lot of trust is lost when people try to keep things too close to the vest. I think it, it you know, people see that as creating power or um, stickiness with clients or things like that. But I think all it does is erode trust and, you know, so share freely. Yeah. It's that uh, feeling of you don't necessarily have my best interest at heart. And yeah. when you communicate that, I know you do and builds the trust. Fantastic. Yep. Our guest today has been Antonella Pisani, the CEO founder of Eiffel Media out of Dallas, uh, digital marketing uh, agency, fast growing. It's been such a pleasure talking to you today and learning just a little bit about your journey and some of the practical suggestions you have for us. So listeners, I'm, I'm taking away the humility that Antonella talked about, started our conversation with, um, the, and ending with that, how can we add value? How can we invest? And that might be investing in your team and adding value for them, uh, certainly for your clients, customers, constituents, whoever it is that you're serving. Uh, or if those are people internally, if you're in a larger organization, how can you be adding that value and give good things? Good things will come back as a core part of that leadership. Really appreciate you being with us today, Antonella. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. And uh, it was fun watching you crack up at some of the things that, that we talked about. <laughs> I am an open book, you know, that's part of human centered yeah. leadership, right? Is, is, you know, exactly. let's be real. That's let's absolutely. Yeah. Let's be real. Part of the journey. All right. Well, there you go. Set out with humility, figure out where you can add value. Uh, intent, uh, if you're in a remote environment or a hybrid environment, any kind, or Hey, if you're an in-person environment, that principle of intentionally investing in what you're trying to do and what you want to build. Don't let those accident, those uh, information exchange happen by accident. Be intentional and be the leader you'd want your boss to be. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>